Welcome to Widowed Too Soon podcast. I am your host, Michelle, and this is your other host, Mark Massaro. <laughs> yes, well, we are excited today to do our very first podcast. It has been a that God has put on both of our hearts to share with the widow community. We've both been widowed for less than a year, and we are not experts. God has given us a story, and we just want to share what God has shown us. And today, you're going to get a chance to really get to know Mark Massaro and his story, um, how God has brought him through the last nine months. Nine months? Is that correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Or eight. 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 It's right in the middle. <laughs> right, eight and a half. There we go. Anyways, how God has helped him get through that. And for me, it's been 11 months. And it is actually amazing to look back and see God's faithfulness and to see how he has carried us. So in this very first episode, we want you to just sit back and listen and just take in this information and this story and you know, just let God speak to you, whether you're a believer or not. We are so happy that you are here to just see how God has helped us as our journey through widowhead, widow, <laughs> widowhood. So we're going to just get started and jump right into Mark's story. So Mark, I'd love it if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and the, what you've been through in the last couple of years. Sure, Michelle. Okay, so I actually want to start and pray first, if that's okay. Yes. Okay. Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to people. And I just pray that um, you would put the words in us to share and um, just help help our stories help people. Um, it's all about you and your kingdom and everything that you want for us. So um, I just pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So I guess I want to start with how I met Lacey, because I feel like it's, um, you know, just kind of important because it was the first time that it taught me to trust God, even when things seem difficult. Um, so I was working as a assistant manager at a, you know, an oil change shop, mechanic shop kind of a thing. Um, and it was my career as my future. I had plans to move forward into ownership of that company. And uh, I got pneumonia my car broke down and I lost that job all at the exact same time. And yeah. I just found myself really questioning God and like, you know, I had been trying to do, do well in my life and I was kind of a screw up as a kid. And, um, so I was really confused how he just seemingly was my lack of understanding at that time, but how he just like wrecked my life is how I thought right. about it. And um, I didn't understand. And during that time, uh, my friend's dad asked me if I wanted to come down and work at his bagel shop, just meantime to, uh, just make money while I'm trying to find something. And I accepted, I came down there to start work. And I remember I was so, um, he didn't give me any training. He just said, there's a line of customers outside, just go help them. And I go up there and all the employees are just running all around. I'd never worked in a restaurant before. And so I remember the first customer, he ordered a everything bagel and a latte. And I didn't know what either of those things were. And so I was so confused. And it was labeled on the customer side of what the bagels were, but not on our side. We're supposed to know. And so I'm just standing there. I'm so confused and just feeling overwhelmed and scared, honestly. And um, employees were just buzzing all around me. And all of a sudden, I just hear this really sweet voice. Hi, you look like you need help. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And she said, hi, I'm Lacey. And it turned out that she was, she ended up being my wife later. And so it was just, as I look back and remember that, remembering the feeling of thinking that my life was over, God was introducing me to my wife at this little bagel shop. And so it kind of gave me, um, you know, this new perspective on God and that like, it's really easy to think, you know, what's going on when you're sitting right here. But when you see the whole span and you realize that this was just a sliver of the story, it makes it easier to trust God and knowing that there's a bigger picture um, that you can't see because you are inside of time, not outside of time like God. And um, so Lacey was an incredible, incredible woman. She was just beautiful inside and out, just such a loving, caring, considerate woman. She was always thinking about other people. And, you know, I know that's easy for a lot of people to say, but she really was. Anybody that met her was just blown away by her kindness and her generosity. And just, um, I was just a lucky man. I was really, really lucky to be married to her. Um, Mm -hmm. She was just always, always looking out for other people. And um, just an incredible, incredible woman. So after we'd been married for, gosh, would it be 11 years at that time? She started complaining that it hurt when she swallowed food and that she had heartburn and stuff. And we didn't think much of it. This was in uh, February of 2019. And um, and then as she was trying to get that figured out, you know, they had her on some over-the-counter medications, um, you know, just for like heartburn and stuff like that, which helped. Um, I think a Meprazole was one of them. So it's like heartburn medication. Um, and so again, I didn't, you know, I've dealt with heartburn before. I didn't think anything of it. A couple months later, she started having these back pains and it was like really bad. But again, I've had back pain. I've done physical pain in my life. So again, I didn't think too much of it. And how old was she at this time? She was 33 upon diagnosis. Okay. So, so really just young. 34. Yeah first birthday that she got diagnosed um so she was chasing down these problems and the doctors sent her to physical therapy and it just started things just started happening really fast I went to an angel game with a couple really good friends of mine and she was complaining that her back was hurting the whole time and we had to keep getting up and walking around the stadium to she found that like walking helped and moving around and stuff. And so uh, we had to get up and go walk around a lot. And by the end of the game, I had to carry her to the car, Mm. you know, pretty far into the stadium. I mean, it took us like, I think if I remember right, 30 or 40 minutes to get to the car. And she was leaning on me so much that the security guards were like, Hey guys, like drive home carefully. Like they thought she (laughs) was drunk. Like she was leaning on me so much Mm. for some And so that was when I knew, that was when I first knew something's like seriously wrong. Like, I don't know what it is, but I I didn't even know anything about cancer at that time. Right. So fast forward to July, um, they did a ultrasound to look into the, uh, the heartburn more and they wanted to see if she had gallstones. Well, they saw a spot on her liver. And um, again, I didn't know anything about cancer, um, but they sent us to an oncologist who did a bone marrow biopsy 
which he said was more painful than giving birth oh, as they drained wow. her hip to sample a bone marrow to test. And um, he also recommended a PET scan. That was her first PET scan. We got the phone call from the doctor um, after, the, after getting the PET scan and her entire body, I don't know if you know anything about PET scan. Well, I know you do, but I don't know yeah. if you in the audience know anything about PET scans. Um, they give you a radioactive dye that um, under the PET scan, it lights up any area where there's Im Im abnormalities or inflammation. Her whole body lit up and um, turns out it was massive, massive amounts of tumors all over her whole body. We got a call from the oncologist and he told us that she has three months to live. So out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. It was it was heartbreaking. We we both just laid in bed and cried and wept and you know, as our kids, our little kids were walking in the room to ask us for things and we're just dumbfounded by the news we just heard, you know, it was just shocking. And that was when I first realized how bad cancer can be. Um, because when they uh, first mentioned to us that it might be cancer, I was like, oh, okay, so what do we do? You know, like, I thought it was not really a big deal. Like, I thought we were just going to do something and she was going to get better. Right. Um, so anyways, we laid there crying and crying and crying. And I couldn't breathe because I had so much, sorry to be gross, but just so much snot and stuff just right. in my face that mm -hmm. I said, hey, I'm going to take a shower. And uh, as you can see, my shower is right behind me. She was actually laying in the bed right here. And um, where the bed was at the time doesn't matter, but I could see her crying in bed from the shower. And I didn't want to get out of the shower because I didn't know what to say to her. I was so devastated and she was obviously so devastated. And this was the first time in the 16, 17 years at that time that we'd been together that I didn't know what to say to her. I didn't know how to make her laugh. I didn't know how to make her smile. And I didn't want to get out of the shower. And I remember praying to God and asking him, like, please give me the words. Like, I'm afraid to get out of the shower. And I hesitate telling these stories because I know how it might sound, but I don't care. This is the testimony God gave me. And this is what happened. Yep. I felt this overwhelming voice, not audible, but just a very, very strong, like putting it on my heart. I love you. See a miracle today. I heard this um, almost audible voice, um, very, very overwhelming. You go out there and you tell her these words. You tell her, trust in me, daughter, I love you. You're going to see a miracle today. And I said, nope, nope. I'm not saying that to this woman who just found out she has three months to live. As her husband, as the most trusted person in this world that she has to look to, you got to be kidding me. And so that's when I, when I have told people this story, I'm like, you have to believe this because no husband in that situation go say that to his wife. That's insane. Right. And I told God, no. I said, nope, I'm not doing that. And he showed me this vision of me walking up to the side of the bed, right where I'm sitting right now, and telling her those words. 
and her rolling over and looking at me and having a lot of peace. And it's funny because before that, I also tried to um, uh, de- not debate. Um, I just tried to tell God how I thought it should be. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I can tell her she's going to see a miracle, mm-hmm. but I don't want to say she's going to see a miracle today. And he said, nope, oh. you hear what I told you to tell her. Wow. And I said, after seeing the vision, I said, okay. And I turned off the shower and um, I walked up to her and my lips were trembling and I can't remember the last time I was that scared in my life. And I muttered out the words through tears and sobbing. And it was exactly as I saw. She rolled over and she looked at me and she got this smile on her face and she was like, okay. Wow. And then I was like, well, God, like this is on you now. Like, mm-hmm. don't make me have said this to her and you know, I don't know. It was just a really hard spot to be in, but I felt so convicted that that's what he wanted me to say to her. And so uh, a few hours go by and that kind of helped her snap out of it a little bit. Shockingly. I mean, the woman knows she's got months to live like best case scenario. And, um, you know, it's interesting because one of the things the oncologist told us on that phone call, Lacey was terrified of doing chemotherapy um, because the, the chemotherapy they wanted her to do um, the likeliness of her even surviving it, let alone it working was pretty slim. We finally got after, you know, Lacey was very persistent. She finally got the oncologist to, to tell her she had a 50, 50 chance of even surviving the chemo and, um, whether or not it worked was anybody's guess. Everybody's different, but he said that you have a 75% chance of recurring in two years, even if we get the cancer to go away. And he started getting frustrated with us asking, you know, all these questions about likeliness and outcome and statistics. But it was like, you know, he's a professional oncologist. He deals with cancer patients all day long. We're just, I mean, compared to his age, we're a couple of kids that just found out this life shattering news. And um, so we wanted to know, you know, we wanted a lot of information and he was getting frustrated because we were taking up a lot of his time. You know, I understood but uh, he finally said, you don't need to know statistics. It's Hail Mary time. Wow. And, uh, so that was, that was pretty sucky. But um, so anyways, a few hours later that night, I get a text from this woman who says, hi, Mark. I'm Dr. So-and-so. And I've been studying, researching cancer for 30 years. And I'd like to talk to you guys tonight. I said, okay, great. And I told Lacey, hey, there's um, that doctor that's friends with, you know, our neighbor wants to talk to us. And um, she said, oh, okay, you know, we didn't, we thought they were, I mean, what, what are they going to tell us besides you need chemotherapy, you're going to die. And she ends up telling us about this all natural um, medicine that she made that uh, I get into the details on another time, or maybe not, I don't know, for privacy purposes, but Um, so she ended up going that route and she never did a day of chemotherapy and she ended up living, um, about 13, 14 months after diagnosis. And, you know, there were a lot of up and downs. We saw many scans that showed lots of areas of improvement, like significant, so much so that, um, oncologists 
from Kaiser were calling us, asking us for samples to, so that they could examine it under a microscope. And, you know, they wanted to know what it was. Um, so Lacey's cancer was so bad that when we went to a second, um, a second opinion, we went to like four opinions. They all basically said the same thing. But when we went to the second opinion, the doctor told Lacey, she said, I know who you are before you even came in because the other oncologist who you spoke to before, he also does, um, I don't know, like big meetings among that hospital, that particular hospital's mm -hmm. network. He did a meeting in front of 500 oncologists and he brought your scans up on the stage to put on a PowerPoint to show everybody in the room. And she said, all of us gasped when we saw your scans. You have no idea how bad your cancer is. Wow. And, um, sorry, it's difficult. Um, so, uh, Lacey told that oncologist, she said, I'm afraid, I'm afraid that the chemotherapy is going to kill me. And she said, it might, it might, but sweetheart, you're on the top floor of a burning building. We're going to at least open a window and give you a chance to jump out. Mm. I was just like, I mean, she was talking about my wife, the love of my life. And it was just so hard to hear that without <laughs> honestly wanting to punch her. Like I was right. so mad that she just said it so nonchalant, mm -hmm. like, looking back now I understand now that I know so much more about cancer I understand right. I understand what her how aggressive her tumors were um yeah like so what I believe that that miracle that we saw was is that she didn't have to do any chemotherapy okay. and she ended up living for quite a long time and we got to see many miracles and see people get saved through watching Lacey fight with such faith and courage and you know, she never, she never asked why me. She is losing her life at a young age. She is leaving her two small children who she adored. They're just amazing kids. Um, but she never, she, you know, she just faced everything with courage and faith. And honest to God, she is the most courageous person, not even woman, the most courageous person I've ever met in my life. She as nurses would come here to speak with her, she would ask them like, hey, so enough about me, like, can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just really, uh, really encouraging to watch. And for a lot of people, a lot of people watched her and we're just like, I don't understand. I don't understand how you're facing this with this level of courage, you know? And um, it was difficult. It was really difficult. There were so many ups and downs there was just times when it was positive, times when it was so negative. I mean, I know you can relate to that. There's sometimes you're so hopeful and sometimes you have no hope. Um, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was intense because about, I don't know, just a guess. I, I lost all track of time during this, this season of my life. Mm -hmm. But I'd say it was probably six months into the, the journey. She got diagnosed with a broken back. Um, it was broken mm -hmm. in five places and that was when she became um, stuck in bed and um, from that point on I took care of her and I mean I was obviously already taking care of her but it became where I literally had to do like everything for her and there was a lot that came along with that um, 
I mean, it got so bad that she couldn't even lift up a bottle of water for a sip. Mm. Like literally it was like anything she needed to survive, I had to do for her. And I should say I got to do for her because she was, she was deserving of my love, you know, mm-hmm. but um, it was really intense. There were so many hospital visits and ambulance rides. And I don't know if you can hear, there's wind chimes in the backyard that um, mm-hmm. the kids got her for Christmas um, mm-hmm. before she got diagnosed and, um, or, you know, before she started having the issues. And so this one day, Lacey was having these headaches that were so bad that she asked me to actually take down the wind chimes. And that's when I knew how bad it was. And um, very quickly thereafter, she asked me to call 911. So um, we went, I followed, followed her to the hospital and they gave her a medication through IV, um, Dilaudid, a pain medicine, mm-hmm. which ended up causing her to go into seizures. Mm-hmm. And I'm freaking out. I've never seen anybody have a seizure before. I thought she was dying. And uh, because we didn't know why she went in there, we didn't know what was going on. And um, they kind of calmed me down. And uh, they're like, see, she's waking up. Everything's better. She's fine. And then she just started freaking out. It was, and she didn't remember any of this when I told her about it later, but she was ripping, ripping the IVs off of her arms and swinging at people. And this was just not my wife. This is just right. not late. I mean, she was a ferocious little cookie in her own right, but like <laughs> not, not in, in any way like what I was seeing. And I'm just falling apart in the corner of the room, just, watching them pin her down and I said, help her, help her, help her. And she heard my voice at this point. She didn't know I was in the room. She didn't know where she was. She didn't know what was going on. And she looked over at me and just had this look on her face of just sheer disappointment in me. And she's like, help me. Like giving me this look of how are you letting them do this to me? And while I knew, obviously, the doctors were trying to help her, she didn't understand that. And um, I was so lost at that point in time. And I felt so, um, it was just hurtful to know that my wife thought that I was, like, betraying her. And I remember asking her, I said, what do you want me to do? (laughs) I said, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to start punching everybody in this room? Do you want me to start punching these doctors? And the one doctor yelled, get him out of here. And so they, they dragged me out of there and they took me into a room that was, you know, 30, 40 yards away. It wasn't far enough. And all I could hear was her screaming mm-hmm. for the next 30, 40 minutes. And it was, uh, I was in there alone. I was by myself. And I just remember the, um, it's like embarrassing, but it's the truth. I remember looking at a brick wall. And just thinking, if I just smash my head into this wall, like, I don't have to hear this anymore. I don't have to listen to this, her screaming and them yelling for her to do certain things. And and I saw this picture of my daughter. I don't know why not my son, but I saw this picture of my daughter and realized that they're likely not going to have a mommy in the near future. No matter how hopeful I was, I always had to keep that thought on the back burner that 
she might not survive this. And I saw my daughter and I just couldn't bring myself to, to do anything. You know, I don't know that I would have anyways, but just, I was just wrecked. Mm -hmm. I was wrecked. And, um, I fell to the ground and I just started crying uncontrollably. And the next few days in the hospital were just miserable. Just, she was having seizures and they were telling me that she had days left to live. They told her parents to call everybody, you know, because she's not going to survive this hospital visit. And the cancer has spread to her brain and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, uh, I remember I, I tried to be, I was at her side for everything. Right. And for some reason, this hospital visit, I just felt like I was being attacked. Like I, I felt like there was a force that was telling me like, you're not strong enough to be in this room, get out. And I mean, I was throwing up. I'm just going to put it out there. This is humiliating, but it's what happened. I pooped my pants several times because I just couldn't control my body. Mm. There was so much anxiety and stress. It was horrible. It was horrible. And I just kept, literally, I spent the next two or three days coming into her room, getting so sick that I had to go throw up or whatever. And I would hobble out of the hospital to get some fresh air. And I, I can't even explain what happened there, honestly. But I, I remember just being so vulnerable to everybody I knew because I was so desperate. And so that's why I crack up when so many people have told me how strong I am. As, as they saw me go through this fight with Lacey, I'm like, you don't even know. Like, mm-hmm. it's not me. It's God's right. strength because mm-hmm. I am pathetic. I am weak. I'm suffering from PTSD. Like... I am not doing good. (laughs) I'm not doing well at all. And so I had a lot of people praying and I was praying and uh, turns out that they were wrong, thankfully, and that she did not have cancer in her brain. Um, And so they sent her home and um, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe the miracle that God had performed again. Yeah. And it's hard for anybody to understand who wasn't there in that situation, but to have doctors tell you, call everybody, you know, she's only got days to live at best. And then all of a sudden she's at home smiling in bed again, eating snacks or watching TV shows together again. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. And, um, but she, she had so much faith and so much strength that it was as difficult as it was to watch. It was beautiful. I know that's weird. And I know a lot of people won't understand that, but just watching this woman of faith, just show her faith. Like Mm -hmm. she didn't question once where she was going when she knew she was dying. She never once questioned it. And, uh, you know, there was, there's one morning where I witnessed the most, absolute miracle I have ever seen in my life or let alone even heard of. Um, We had slept through her pain medication on accident that had never happened before. Mm -hmm. At this point in time, I was sleeping 20 minutes at a time all through the night. And, and I would get up in the morning and be with the kids again. But the longest chunk of sleep I got through the night was 40 minutes. Mm 
And that was if everything went perfectly and there wasn't throwing up or there wasn't this or there wasn't that, like it never went to plan. I always got maximum two hours of sleep a night broken up in chunks. Mm. This one night, I guess from exhaustion, I slept through my alarm and I woke up to her screaming at the top of her lungs at about five o'clock in the morning, absolutely screaming. I watched that woman give birth to two children. This was way worse. Right. And it scared me. And I jumped out of bed and I ran over to the side of her bed. I just, I'm pacing back and forth. I'm thinking of what can I do? How can I help? And there was nothing I could do because I can't give her the pain medicine because she needs to eat first. If she doesn't eat, she's going to throw up. Right. And there was this whole game at that point in time where we had to wrestle with, um, with if she threw up, did the medication come up? Right. And so it could be gross, but I had to sift through several bowls of throw up because I couldn't give her the medication twice. It would overdose her. Yeah. And so, but I couldn't not give it to her because this kind of thing would happen. And so um, I couldn't just give her the medication. And um, I didn't know what to do. I was just watching her biting her pillow, just screaming, mm -hmm. saying horrible, horrible things about, well, I understood, but they were horrible for me to hear that she wanted to go home. She wanted to die. She didn't want to deal with this pain anymore. And I just dropped down to my knees at the foot of the bed. And honestly, this is what we should do first, not out of desperation, but I was desperate. The only person that could have helped me, the only thing that could have helped me was an intervention from God. Right. And um, I knelt down and I put my hands on her leg and I just started praying like I've never prayed before for anything in my life. I was begging and pleading God to come and help her. <laughs> and I meant one thing in my head. I meant just come here and help her, right? Right. I'm praying and praying and praying and begging and begging and begging. But I'm also praying with confidence that I know he can do it. And it was, I don't know how to explain it other than I've just never prayed this way before in my life. And out of nowhere, she went from screaming and biting her pillow to, Mark, can you see him? And the most peaceful and calm voice and I'm still in a panic. I'm still in a state of like, oh my gosh, like I need to call 911. Like I'm still all over the place. I'm still deep in prayer. And I said, what? See who? And I'm looking around the room like, what are you talking about? She's like, can you see Jesus? It scared me. It scared me to death. I jumped back from the bed that dresser you can see right there in the background, I fell against it. And I've believed in God for a long time. And I was embarrassed that I was afraid, but I wanted no part in what she was saying because it was so real. I don't know how to explain it. And I stepped back, my neck hair stood up. I was just like, I, what I'm seeing doesn't happen. You don't go from screaming in pain from cancer bone pain to just, Mark, can you see him? Right. And this cool and calm voice. 
And as I'm sitting there startled, she says, I can feel him. He's holding me. He's kissing my cheek. My pain is gone. Mark, Jesus is here with me. And my legs gave out and I fell to my face worshiping our God because that was the only, the only answer to what I was witnessing. And anybody who knows my wife knows that she is a woman of the highest integrity. She would never, ever make up a story about anything, let alone something like this, nor how could you, how could you pretend to be in pain or whatever? You know, I don't know. It yeah. just doesn't work. That way. This happened. There's another story that I don't like telling people because I know a lot of people aren't going to believe it, but it's what happened. It's the testimony God gave. Mm -hmm. And so somebody recently told me when I was talking to him that he said, brother, you got to, you got to share this. This yeah. is what God gave you. And, um, sorry. Okay. Can you please give me some time, little buddy? Close the door, please. It's real life. Sorry. It's real life. <laughs> yeah. It's real life. Thank you. I need some time, buddy. Thank you. So, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> this is dad. This is that dad life, right? <laughs> yep. Um, he wants to play Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> cool. Anyways, um, yeah, I uh, and I I spoke to another friend who's like a mentor to me. He's um, a little bit older of a gentleman, not much older, but um, and he said to me said, brother, you know, when I know that that story that you were telling the truth, he said, do you know what every single person who has had an interaction with God, what happened to them in the Bible? And I was like, no, I, I didn't know what he was talking about. You know, I'm trying to rack my brain thinking of interactions with people. And he said, at first they were scared. And then they fell to their face and worshiped him. Yep. And that just gave me the chills because I was like, whoa, yeah, like that's, deep. I don't know. So my pastor did a sermon and mentioned this story and said to me or said to the, the congregation that, you know, Mark is probably wondering why God gave him this testimony or this vision or this experience, excuse me, if he was just going to take her home. And I was like, yep, I've thought that many times. Like, that's what helped me believe that she was going to be better. And he said, I think that God did this to prepare Lacey for where he was taking her mm. to give Mark the uh, recognition that she's going to be, or the realization that she's going to be in good hands. Mm. And um, that's proven to be true because yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's hard being a widower. It's hard losing the love of my life. We had an incredible relationship an incredible marriage. I mean, so many people talk about the verse of wife submitting to your husband, but they forget about the very important verse that's a stronger command for men to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life. And um, I found that through that, it was it's easy for a wife to submit when she knows her husband truly loves her. Mm -hmm. And her and I just had that figured out. We just had a, an incredible love and she truly was my best friend. And uh, so, yeah, it was hard. It was, it's been really hard. It's, I miss her more than anything. I, I, I miss her and, and the life that we had together. And 
yeah, I'm getting by, but it's just, it's not the same. And I, I not even getting by isn't, doesn't even do it any justice. God has shown me incredible grace and um, just given me the ability to, every time I see her, I look at her pictures. I just have this smile on my face that I'm like, I know where you are yes. and you're in the real world. We're still stuck here in this matrix. Like, she's in real life and God's given me this ability to see it that way. And it's so much easier to deal with grief when I only feel sorry for myself. I don't feel sorry for her. And it mm-hmm. might sound heartless, but anybody who knows the relationship we had, like knows how much I loved her and how much mm-hmm. I adored her. Um, so I don't feel bad saying that because I don't feel sorry for her. She's in the presence of God, you know, to be absent from the bodies, to be present from the Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. present with the Lord. So, um, you know, God just really showed up for me in many, many remarkable ways. Uh, I didn't have any time to read the Bible at all. And I would always just ask God in my moments to share the verses, like to speak to me through the verse of the day in my Bible app on my phone. And he would like faithfully, you know, and yeah, they're always like great verses or whatever, but in unique ways, like, mm-hmm. I had a friend come over. She only had time to drop off groceries and leave. And I asked her, hey, can I please just go outside real quick and pray? For me, going to the pharmacy at that point in my life was a vacation. Like, I can't even explain that. Nobody understands that. But for me to get to take a trip to the pharmacy was getting to go on a vacation because my life was so intense. And um, so I asked her, can I please just go outside for five minutes and pray? She said, yeah. So I prayed to God. And I told him repeatedly over and over and over, God, this is impossible. Like, I don't understand why you're asking this of me because I'm raising two small children, taking care of my wife, who is completely paralyzed by this point. And my kids aren't seeing it. They're not seeing what we're actually going through. They never once saw how bad it really was. God was giving me incredible grace, but I just pleaded with him. and said, God, this is impossible. Like, I can't do this. I can't. This is impossible. That word kept popping up in my head. This is impossible. I can't do it anymore. Like, give me strength. Give me something. I've got to go back in there. God, before I can, can you please speak to me through the verse of the day? And I open up my Bible. And the verse of the day was, and Jesus looked at them intently. And he said, you're right. With man, this isn't, this isn't possible. But with God, all things are possible. And, um, you know, that's a popular verse. Anybody else might just say, well, you know, that just happened to be the verse of the day. But if you were in that moment, if you were listening to my prayer and you heard that, you would understand how much God was speaking to me in that moment. And it refueled me. It re-energized me to go and do the crazy, crazy stuff that I had to do. Like I said, she was paralyzed and you can imagine everything that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. And I did it all. And I knew all of her medicines. I knew how to do everything. And, you know, for the sake of her dignity, I won't mention all of it, but there was a lot of things that I had to do that were just horrible, horrible things to have to do for your 33, 34 year old wife. Um, So it was really interesting because For the last month of her life, 
I'll just say she was very confused about a lot. And, um, you know, again, for the sake of her dignity. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was spending time with her next to her bed and she was sleeping and I was just telling her how much she meant to me and, mm-hmm. you know, just telling her what an incredible wife she was. And I mean, I had to kind of speak about her in the past tense by this point because we knew what was coming. Yeah. And I said, okay, sweetheart, I'm going to go have a cup of coffee. I'll be back. It didn't matter. She was sleeping, you know? And, uh, and I also had like set up a doorbell for her. Like if she woke up, she could, you know, anyways, I I shouldn't need to feel guilty about going to drink a cup of coffee, but (laughs) you know how it is sometimes. So, you know, you just question things like, well, had I not whatever. Um, so I went out and I drank a cup of coffee, answered some messages on my phone And then as I got up to go, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes, as I got up to go walk back to the bedroom, uh, I can't see my bedroom from the hallway. You have to like turn a corner 90 degrees. And I felt, I said, she's gone. She's not here anymore. I could feel that I was all alone in the house. And I went running down the hallway and, you know, pretty scared. I, I peeked into the bedroom. And I just sat there and I just watched her chest and it didn't raise, it didn't lower. I said, oh my gosh. And I went up to her and I placed my hand on her chest. And as soon as my hand hit her chest, nope, she's gone. And Mm -hmm. there is so much to say about the human soul that I knew from 25, 30 feet away from my bedroom, I didn't hear any noises. I didn't hear anything. I knew she was gone. And then I was overcome, obviously, with a lot of pain. But I was overcome with this feeling that, like, you're there right now. Like, you're in his presence. Oh, my gosh. And um, so... That, Michelle, is a small portion of my story. Um, And, you know, so how I'm getting by is by God's grace and nothing else. Like, it's, it's a difficult life. It's lonely. And I know you understand that. It's lonely. It's hard. There's so many moments where you're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. At least he did that. Or for you, Luke did that or whatever, you know, and it's it gets to be overwhelming and that stirs up the grief but it's like you know as you and i have talked about before like it's good to visit grief town we just don't want to like unpack our bags there and live there because that's not what god has for our life and um one thing that i was really incredibly blessed by that you don't really think about is that Lacey was a believer yeah and there's no doubt in my mind where she is right now And so as far as the widows and widowers out there that they don't know what their spouse believe, like my heart just pours out to them because I have that at least I have that. And that's such a huge blessing. And, um, you know, there's one, actually two Bible verses that God kept giving me and they're really popular verses, but they really, really spoke to my soul during that time. It's Proverbs, the three, five, and six, three through five, and mm-hmm. chapter three, verses five, six, I think. Um, 
trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And man, that I would just recite that to myself in the shower and the restroom, whatever, just like, don't lean on your own understanding because I won't understand it and it'll drive you crazy. It'll drive you crazy. Yeah. And um, the other one was James one, five through eight. I wrote it down. It's if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach and it will be given to you. I had to look at it because I remembered it differently in my head. You know, just basically, if you lack wisdom, ask God. That's how I remembered it. And he really did. He really answered that prayer for me. Um, and God has just shown me so much grace to get through. And I, it just, it fuels me to keep going to him because what else is there? You know, right. uh, when I hear about people that, you know, they get angry with God or they turn their back on God or, um, to me and not in any insulting way. But it just, it seems kind of like, a, like not a very good understanding of who God is, that, right. that we have any right to, to question his authority or his, because we don't know what he did through, you know, I watched people get saved through my wife battling cancer and dying. I saw people get saved. People messaged me telling me like, I haven't thought about God since I was a little kid. I only followed this page out of respect. It's a little too holy for me. It's a little too uh, religious Mm -hmm. for me, but out of respect for you guys, I followed it. And I just gave my life to Christ this morning. And I said, wow. So this is, this takes a deep spiritual understanding, but if God needed to take Lacey home to heaven, which is a gift for her, in order to reach those people, if that was the only way that they could be reached was watching somebody like Lacey, um, a beautiful soul like that, go through this battle and end up dying. I, I, I mean, it's hard to say because it sucks for me. It sucks for my kids, but like, it's worth it for the kingdom. It's worth it because really this life doesn't matter. Like, I mean, it does. We care about things. We, you know, we enjoy moments and things like that, but Really, when you think about our forever home, like what happens here doesn't really matter that much as far as like, I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? I don't know if that's like. It's it's an amazing attitude to have. And very few people going through grief have that. So I think that's absolutely amazing that you have that attitude. Um, I had a couple of questions that maybe your listeners might be wondering how old are your kids now and how are they doing without Lacey? Sure. Um, Alexis turned eight in February. She's my oldest. And my son actually next uh, weekend is going to turn five. His name is Luke. Mm-hmm. Also. So for those you know, Michelle's husband, is <laughs> that was kind of crazy when we found yeah, that out. Definitely. And how do you think that they're, they're doing with everything? And how are they doing with it? That's right. You know, it's amazing. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it because they are, they are strong kids. I mean, Luke is one thing he has, you know, doesn't have as many memories of her, um, you know, just he's young. He's a lot younger, but Alexis has a lot of memories, a lot of moments with mommy and they had their own relationship and she has such a deep understanding of heaven. 
It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like I draw strength from her and she's freaking eight years old. <laughs> like, right. you know, I watch I watch the way she handles it. And she's like, well, at least this or at least that, you know, at least mommy's with God and God's taking care of her. Right. And mm-hmm. she just has this deep, um, shocking understanding of heaven. And um, we have moments, of course, you know, I mean, sometimes she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's crying and misses mommy and I cry with her and I tell her I miss mommy too. And sometimes they see me crying and I'm just, I'm sorry. I just remembered something about mommy and I'm pretty open with them. Like I don't, I mean, once she died, the whole hiding things from them went out the window. You know, right. I, I just, I was just completely open and honest with them. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're dealing with it quite well, Michelle. It's amazing. It's amazing. They, they love the world. They love people. They love God. They love church. Um, they're just good, really well-mannered, well-behaved, just beautiful, loving children. Mm-hmm. And where, where have you gotten the most support, you know, over the last eight and a half months? You know, for those listening, you know, they might be wondering, where could I get support? How did you get support? So what's your personal story of where you have received support? I'd say because of where I live. Um, and because, uh, of my lack of family, um, I have my brother and my mom lives in New York. That's as far as my family goes pretty much. I mean, I have aunts and cousins who I've met through Facebook, but, um, my church family, my church family, um, my in-laws have been there for me in a lot of ways, but they live, you know, an hour away from me. So I'd say my main source of help has been my church family and, um, seeing the body of Christ come to life through, it's just been incredible. Um, there's a, a guy that we're now like really good friends that um, I met him because he texted me out of the blue. I didn't even know him. I, didn't, I mean, I knew of him. We went to church together. He knew what we were going through. But he's one night just texted me out of the blue at a dark, dark moment for me. I was really struggling and uh, I thought I was dying. Um, I weigh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a big guy, but like I, my normal body weight hovers around 160 pounds. And, um, during that battle with Lacey, I was down to 118 pounds. I was like mm-hmm. sticks and bones and, um, I was dying. I was dying for her. And, um, I remember I was sitting in the bathroom and I was actually praying that God allows me to help Lacey get better before he takes me home. Because I was that sure that I was about to have a heart attack or something or a stroke or aneurysm, whatever. Um, because I just didn't feel right. Something felt really, really off in my body. So I was suffering from so much stress. I was having panic attacks. And when you've never had them before, like you think you're dying, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so in that moment, I get a text message um, from this guy, Brian. He says, hey, man, I just want to reach out to you and let you know, like if you ever need anything and you don't text me or call me or call for help, like, well, he said it in a different, different way, but, um, he said, I'm going to beat you up, you know? <laughs> and, um, so I said, wow, thanks, man. Like I'm actually, uh, I have this feeling that I'm going to die and I just have to be honest with you cause I need your prayers. And, um, you know, I started explaining how intense it was for me going through the nights with Lacey and then waking up in the morning and doing it all with the kids. And he said, well, what does it take to spend the night with Lacey? And I said, oh, man, I'm going to scare this guy off right now. I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. 
I'm going to tell them exactly what it takes. And so I made this huge text of what it takes to get through the night. And I sent it and I said, I was expecting a text back that said something to the effect of like, wow, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Good luck. And he replied in about two minutes and said, just open your front door. Wow. And I went out to the front door and here's this man standing there weeping with me crying with me and he said hey before we go in there just come outside and he just prayed with me and we were just crying together and I didn't understand it I didn't understand why this stranger was here with me why he was crying with me and we come in the house after we were done praying and he said hey go in one of your kids my kids were actually staying at their at my in-laws at their grandparents and he said go in one of the kids rooms and get some sleep and I can't even tell you, I cannot even express to you what a gift that was at that point in my life to right. say, go in there by yourself, right. off the lights, close the door and go to sleep. And don't worry about a thing. Like that was the craziest part. Don't worry about anything. Right. I do this. And uh, yeah, we became really good friends. So I was like, I'm not letting you go. Like a man of this level of integrity and character and what it takes to show up to somebody's house you don't know and do this That's through the crazy. whole night. And mm -hmm. I just cried to him the next morning. I was like, I can't believe you did this. And he's like, man, I get to go home and go to sleep. You have to live this every single day. Let me just do this for you. And I, I can tell you, and I will tell you over time, um, stories of many people like that at my church who just showed up. Right. And, um, you know, I have a, a real good friend that lives in Florida and, um, he flew out here like four or five times to be with me and be with Lacey, obviously, and um, just do anything we needed. I mean, the guy was like just a machine walking around my house, just handling stuff. Like I look out the window and I'm sitting there crying with Lacey. I look out the window and he's out in my backyard picking weeds. Like he was just always doing something the whole time he was here. So to answer your question, um, my church family, and it was really hard for me to ask for help. It was really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, but you just got to do it. You got to do it because it's, it, it's hard as a man too, honestly, mm -hmm. but it's probably pride, you know, or ego yeah. you need to admit that, but that's probably what, what fuels it. But it's like, no, I can do it. I can, mm -hmm. I can handle it. It's not like, it's not in any like negative way. Like, Oh, I don't need people. But it was just mm -hmm. like a, I was embarrassed to like, to mm -hmm. not be do it all by myself. And um, I just, started asking people like for little things like you know hey is there any way you could come and help me with a couple little projects or whatever and people were always always so happy that I reached mm -hmm. out so happy because people wanted to help right they just didn't know what to do they didn't know how to help right. so yeah to answer your question <laughs> yeah that's great I would definitely encourage listeners to get plugged into a local church and don't be afraid to ask because there are people that want to help you they want to help you through this hard journey you know as a widow or widower or just anybody going through grief um those are huge things and i'm so glad you were able to find support in that and your story is amazing and i'm so excited for people to get to listen to it and um I think it would be great if we just close in prayer, you know, praying sure. for the people listening. Would you like to do that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Laura, I thank you so much for 
just another day. Everything you give us is a gift. And I pray that you'd help us to treasure every day, whether we're feeling sad or lonely or whatever we're feeling. I just, I pray for everyone listening. I pray for Michelle and I, that you would just comfort us. Every time we think about our spouses, I pray that you would give us the beautiful sight that you have given me of their happiness and their joy. And I pray for anyone out there who's, who's struggling and going through it because it is difficult. It is really difficult, but I know you promised to be there with us. And um, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this time. And I, I pray that you use this, um, my words and Michelle's to reach people and to help people. And uh, I pray all these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. And listeners, we'd love to hear from you. There's a couple ways to do that. You can follow us on Instagram at widow too soon underscore. You'll find us there and you can send us a message there, or you can also email us at widow too soon M, M as in Mark and Michelle at gmail.com. We'd love to pray for you. If you want to send us prayer requests, like we really want to build a community here. It's not just about us talking. Mm-hmm that God has given us and we want to help people we want to help you I know that sometimes you can feel pretty lonely or alone and just know in those times reach out to us we will get back to you we will pray for you we'll personally respond to these messages um so we would love to do that and so thank you for tuning in today to hear Mark's story next time you will hear my story and we're just going to continue on this journey just sharing what God has done for us as you can see from Mark's story God is faithful, faithful all the time, all the Mm -hmm. time. God is good all the time, even when we walk through the valley of shadow of death. So thank you, Mark, for sharing your story. It's amazing. And we look forward listeners to talking to you next time. Have an awesome day. Bye. Okay. I'm turning off.